0: Let's look together at surprise, surprise! Revelation chapter three. Revelation chapter three. My sister Sally isn't here today. I thought she was going to be here today. Uh, she, she calls me. Where we talk regularly on the phone, and she always asks me. She said every every week, "What are you preaching on?" She says, "This Sunday." And my answer is always the same, Jesus. I'm preaching on Jesus. No matter where I am in the Word of God, I'm preaching on Jesus. And so, let's look at Revelation chapter 3, and a very famous verse, and you might even have this Walmart poster in your home, Revelation 3 and verse 20. You know you're in trouble when your glasses that are meant to help you don't help you anymore. It's getting smaller, even with these glances. What what do you do about that? Longer arms. There we go. Jesus writes, Behold, verse 20, chapter 3, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. Father, we just ask in the name of Jesus that you open our eyes to see Jesus that through the Word of God and the preached Word of God that You transform my human words into spirit and life. That, Father, as the Word goes forth, even through my failing body, that, Lord, You will energize and equip all the saints, including myself, to have a deeper walk with Jesus, a more zealous approach to all things in life, and, and to have a, a new devotion to Him as a person and to His service. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, traditionally, this verse has been used for evangelism. It has nothing to do with evangelism. This is what we call uh, scripture snatching, what will look good on a poster. And you've seen the, I was going to get the visual, but you guys are all good at this stuff. I don't know what to do. So. Uh, but you've seen the poster or the billboard, not billboard, painting, painting, of Jesus with a little lantern, gently knocking, open the door of your heart." That's not what this is about at all, just so you know. Is everybody okay? Sorry to dash that one for you. This verse in Revelation 3.20 is spoken of Jesus. Uh, It's it's involved in one of the seven churches in the book of Revelation. Uh, This is addressed to the church of Laodicea, which is one of the churches. That are addressed in Asia. If you look on a map, it forms like a little horseshoe uh, where a runner would literally run the letter around the churches so everybody could read it. Uh, This is now in Turkey, this modern-day Turkey is Laodicea. All the cities are still going except Pergamum. It's gone completely, but uh, all the rest of the cities have new names, but they're still there, believe it or not. Now, Laodicea is a real church that really existed with real people that are under Christ's authority and shepherding care. He is addressing Christians here when He talks about, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He uses knocking at the door as a metaphor to communicate to them. There is no door, there is no lantern. But Jesus is communicating here something important as He does to all the seven churches that are vital. To his shepherding care. What do we pick up from this? Uh, Jesus is active in his church. He's not in a recliner in heaven somewhere. He's walking amongst the candlestands. He knows, he sees, he understands. He even knows the motives of the heart. And he reproves and he disciplines because he loves us and them. So he we went around to all these churches. Traditionally, it's known that these were probably churches that were under John, I believe he, John the Apostle wrote Revelation, under his care. So not only does John have intimate knowledge of it, he's communicating Jesus has intimate knowledge of each of these churches. So that, that should put a smile on our face and a little bit of fear in our step to realize that you've got humans, as Stephen already mentioned tremendously limited, but you've got a shepherd who's unlimited. You've got a shepherd who has direct contact with you, though he uses people. But at the same time, it's important when you read the book of Revelation, it starts out with the seven churches that Jesus is making statement. I'm real, I'm here, and I have things to say about what's going on. That's basically what's happening in this book. And so, each church gets a a correction, they get a little encouragement, and they get a little reward handed out to them, basically. Laodicea is the worst. Now, I think at this point it might be helpful for all those that you came from a dispensational background to hear me say this out loud. I reject that the seven churches are seven seasons of the church. You have to reject that. That is a forced thing on the Scriptures, it shouldn't be that way. What you have in the number seven is a universal number. In other words, this is the whole universal church. We find our problems uh, that we've, we see them in Philadelphia. We see them in Smyrna. We see them in Laodicea all the time through the centuries. So there's not one seed, oh, we're the Laodicean church. You, you can't say that about the church worldwide. It's too narrow. Everybody with me? Hey, smile at me. Let me know you're out there, okay? but Praise the Lord. Okay. There we go. So, the number seven always means wholeness and completeness. And he picked the seven, the number seven, which is prolific all through the book of Revelation as a sign to represent uh, wholeness, completion. I'm speaking to the whole church all the time for every century. That's the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation doesn't apply to now if you've got an app that tells you what's prophetically happening because it, delete it, save some energy on your phone because this is a timeless book that applies to all time. It's not to be applied to the year 2023. It had to apply to the people who are hearing it. They had to be encouraged. They were under great oppression. Imagine if they heard one of us say, well, it doesn't apply to you, it applies to 2023. How discouraging is that? Why should I read it then? I'm going to be long gone, but it is a book that you read to be blessed and encouraged. And so, we're going to take a little snippet from it today from Revelation 3. How does Jesus start this letter? It's there, uh, I think it's verse 14 where He starts to talk to Laodicea. He starts each of the letters off with a reiteration of His titles that is in Revelation 1, when John. When Jesus appears to John in a vision, he unfolds all these titles on John. There's 26 of them in the book of Revelation of titles of who Jesus is. If you want to, if you don't know what to do when you worship, look up the 26 titles and just say, uh, you're the bright morning star, you're the rose of Sharon, Uh, you're the Alpha and Omega, you're the beginning, you're the ruler of the kings of the earth, and in three minutes, you'll be worshiping. In any case, what does he say here to Laodicea? He says three things. He says, number one, in verse 14, I am the amen. He says also, I'm the faithful and true witness. And he also says, I'm the beginning of God's creation. Let's just look at those briefly because what Jesus is doing is he's startling his hearers to say, Don't monkey with me, I'm God the titles that all appear in the book of Revelation are all spoken of through the entire Old Testament about God himself. And so this is the greatest book of Christology in the entire canon, is the book of Revelation. Why it needs to be read today. Now, if you were the devil, what book would you confuse most of all? that Christians won't read it. There you go. That's why a lot of Christians today don't know who Jesus is. Because he reveals himself through his word. All right. If all you have by revelation is the chosen, you're being shortchanged. Get your revelation from the Bible. If they do it on TV, that's fine too. But don't count on the TV to give you revelation. Fallen men are directing that. I'm a little suspicious. Go to the scriptures. God's not going to lie to you. I'll just watch the chosen instead of reading my Bible. Please don't do that, okay? All right. You insult the Chinese church that don't have any Bibles. They're underground. They don't even allow to have Bibles. So, while we still have them, while we're still able to open them and the soldiers aren't coming through our door, please read your Bibles to find Jesus. Is that, can I say that? All right. Then praise God. So, Jesus' reader say, He says He's the Amen. What does that mean? He's the final word of God to heaven and earth. There is nothing added after Jesus. Once Jesus died, was buried, rose from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father, in full possession of all authority in heaven and earth, and he sent his holy spirit. The only thing that can be left to be said is amen. Right. Nothing can be added to that. These fast and loose modern preachers today that get all these fancy ideas God has already spoken finally in His Son. The message, the Word that the church carries is Jesus. It's not life coaching. It's not eat the cookie and don't feel guilty. That's not the message of the Bible. Am I in the same church here? we okay? The church is about Jesus. Passionate, white-hot love for Jesus the man. Without that, we got nothing. We're the Elks Club. We're not even the optimists, most of us. (laughs) Jesus said, he's the amen. There's nothing to add. He's the final word of God. Oh, what's God thinking about? What's God doing in the earth? What's on God's mind? Jesus. Jesus what are you thinking, God? Jesus. (laughs) Holy Spirit, what are you thinking about? Jesus. Demons, what are you thinking about? How to get rid of Jesus. That's been a long time since I've been here. All right. He also says he's the faithful and true witness. Now, this is one of the major themes of the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is basically written to a persecuted church that says, has basically one message, don't compromise with Babylon, get out of her. You're, the, you're God's people, you belong to Jesus, act like it, sing like it, move like it, think like it. Don't let Babylon get into your mind. That's the basic message. Think we need that message today? Think we need the book of Revelation to be read and preached from the pulpits? Absolutely right. Do not compromise with the world. Stay consistent. Stay true. Stay loyal. Stay faithful to Prince Messiah because he stayed loyal to God the Father. He was the faithful and true witness. He came to see here. This is who God (coughs) is. Not only in his spoken words, but in his person. And he never deviated. He never compromised. Oh, we're going to put you in prison or we're going to stop you. Bring it on. He never minced his words. He never backtracked. He never apologized for what his message is. He was faithful and true all the way through the cross. You know, when I was an Italian Pentecostal boy, we used to sing a song called, he could have called 10,000 angels, but he died for you and me. And as a young man, i think, why didn't you do that? That would have made a great movie. I'm a young guy, you know, violent. Kill them all. What are they doing to you? Why did you let them do that to you? But see, that was God's plan from the beginning of the world. The foolishness of a crucified Messiah. Who... Messiahs are saviors and ride white horses and deliver people. But you're on a tree. What are you? It's the foolishness of the cross. That is the message to the world. We have no other message, folks. When Mike goes to these schools to teach on our behalf, and and when we uh, disciple these young pastors that are coming, uh, they better know how to preach the cross or we don't want them out in the field. because the answer is the cross. The answer is Jesus. It's not some fancy teaching about how to make money or how to prosper. All that will be added to you if you preach the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All right, I'm getting crazy here. He is the faithful and true witness. Guess what? He expects us to be faithful and true witness, because you're in Him. He's in you. What's the will of God for me? Be a faithful and true witness. I'm absolutely convinced that this is what Christianity is all about. All the other flavorings that go on, the thing we need to pray about and stay the course on is being faithful and true to Jesus Christ, and never, ever, ever give in to compromise, never. And that's where all the rewards come. As a matter of fact, when we stand before the Lord, what does He say to us when we enter His kingdom? Well done. Good and faithful servant. You don't even, well, are you going to mention the churches I planted? Are you going to mention the people we discipled? Are you going to mention the hundreds of bags of rice that we fed people? No, you just, you're a good, faithful servant. Now, get in here. Yes, sir. That's all you're going to be measured for. So, shouldn't you be working on that <laughs> most of all? The temptation to compromise is Well, we say this all the time, I'm 68 years old. When I was a boy, we were tempted with everything, of course. But now, I'm kind of glad I had my teenage years back then when you actually felt remorse. You actually knew you were doing wrong. You actually knew you were going to hell. You didn't have to convince people of it. Now everybody's a good man they just need more money and more education and bail them out here and bail them out here. How's that working out for us? I need to come out more often. This is a lot of fun. (laughs) He also says he's the beginning of God's creation. Now, it does not mean that Jesus is created. Some people butcher this one because they don't go to the original language here. It doesn't mean he's created at all. What it does mean is the Son of God is eternal God. It means that all things that exist in creation was made through Him the Word of God. So God spoke the worlds into ex- existence through the Son, the Word. The spoken Word of God caused things, divine fiat, to come into being. No evolution, no help, no science, no nothing. Just God speaking into vacuums. He said, let there be light. There's light! light! well, let's have a committee to see how much light we should have. People are offended by the light. Maybe we should tone it down. You can't do that to God. He's the creator. Are you with me? That's right. That's right. He can speak right now into your situation. You going. I'm giving up. This is no good. I'm going to the bank again. I'm going to take out a third loan. It's just there. All God has to do is speak into your situation. Divine fiat. He's God. He can do anything. Are you still with him? or are you counting on Babylon bailing you out? Forget it. You're just a stat to them, but to God, you're a family member. You belong to Him. Do you think He's going to let you just flounder in the field? Think again. All right then. Colossians 1.16, for by Him All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him, even His enemies. The Ayatollah will end up giving glory to Jesus Christ, you watch, if not in this life, certainly in the next. Every soldier with a gun, every tank with a blast, they all are created for God's purpose and glory. And you are the supreme ones. What's God's will for my life? Give God glory. Just don't give it to yourself. That's Babylon. You live to God's glory. So what do you wake up every morning? How can I give you glory today, Lord? Guide me, and direct me, Holy Spirit. He will. It's a great way to live. That's how we should live. People say, I'm so glad God's given me purpose. I'm I'm saved now. He's given me purpose. What is it? I don't know, but He's given me purpose." The purpose is that you live for Him. That people would see your deeds, your actions, give glory to your Father in Heaven. Yes. That they would see right through you, and you would, you would just attribute everything, as God as your source. And they say, what kind of human are you? You're different than us. All right. The titles of Christ in this letter. Uh, to Laodicea. He's the Amen. He's the faithful and true witness. He's the beginning of creation. All say one thing to the sinful Laodicean church. Jesus is large and in charge. He's God. I love you, but don't mess with me. That's the message of the book of Revelation. I love you, but I'm not going to give in to your whims and cryings and moanings. I'm not going to do it. And we're going to get to what He wants them to do in just a moment here, what He wants all of us to do. Jesus walks amongst His church and He knows them. He is faithful to bring correction when needed that the church might participate with Him in overcoming evil. That's the book of Revelation. I want you to do this with me so that you feel the joy, you feel the the excitement. It's better than being James Bond. We go watch James Bond, oh I wish it could be James Bond. You've got a life better than James Bond. Your commission is to defeat the devil, not just Dr. No. Where did I get that? I don't know. <laughs> I like Dr. No because it's the first one where Sean Connery, the only James Bond, actually says Bond, James Bond. It's in Dr. No. Did. Okay, never mind. Laodicea is guilty of compromise. They have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. The city was rich in commerce, the church was wealthy because of business dealings, Laodicea was one of the uh, main Roman cities to have a temple to Roma and emperor worship. So in order to do business, the uh, businessmen in the church uh, would go to the festivals for Roma, eat the food sacrificed to uh, um, the temple, and go to these temple ceremonies and everything like this to get along, to make contracts so people won't think I'm so weird. And Jesus says, I'm, I'm having none of that. I'm your provider. You don't need to network and link up and be what they are, play along to get along. I didn't call you to do that. Okay. Maybe I'll preach something else next time, but this is good. The church... Believes they are wealthy, have social standing, and finer things of life. This was all because of Pax Romina, the Roman Empire. Oh, we're under oppression, sir. But boy, they have made us wealthy, and they've, we have social standing. I know the governor, and oh, this is great. And here comes Jesus, walking into the church saying, wait a second, who are you? What, what do you think you're doing? <laughs> because of the Roman Empire. And oh yeah a little bit of Jesus' help. That's the guilt of Laodicea. And here comes the bishop. Here comes the great Sebastian of their souls. That's in the King James if you want to look it up. It's pretty cool. Isn't it? The bishop walks into the church and says what's going on? Do you think this is acceptable to me? Because I love you, I'm going to discipline you," he says that right here. If you can read it, I'm not coming here with lollipops. I'm coming here to adjust you, because you have walked away from what is truly life, indeed, that I brought you into, and boy, did it cost a lot. But you're making it cheap. The church was guilty of not remaining faithful to Prince Messiah and drinking from the fount of the world. They lowered their standards to get along with the world. Hmm, not familiar. Mike and I are in different churches from time to time, and uh, wherever we have planted, wherever we have any kind of government, uh, we provide them with pulpits and communion tables. They want church buildings and fountains and everything. We can't do that. But they get a pulpit and they get a communion table, and we say, you got to have communion every week. We go into churches outside of ourselves. They have communion maybe twice a year on a Wednesday night for whoever wants to come. We do it every week because the message is Jesus. And it clears our brains to say, wait a minute. (laughs) Center me again. Who am I? What am I supposed to do? That's right. And so every Sabbath is like a renewal in some respects. Because the world's pounding us to death the other 166 hours of the week. And you come here, and you recenter and say, hold on a minute. Whenever you take the cup, this is what you should say to yourself. I belong to Jesus, and Jesus belongs to me. Now teach me how to live. All right. Verse 17, Jesus says to them, for you say, I am rich, and have and have prospered. I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked." This is the bishop's perspective. They have their own assessment of themselves, and here comes the bishop to say, you ain't even close to imaging me. Look, I called you to be conformed to my image, and you're becoming the image of the beast, and the dragon, and the whore. That's not what you've been called to. So he begins to adjust them. But here's the one I want you to get that they say. Listen to this arrogance. Listen to this puffed up attitude about themselves. Listen to how far they've drifted from Messiah. I have need of nothing. I have need of nothing. How does that square with, I need thee every hour, I need thee, I need thee every hour in joy or pain, come quickly and abide, or life is vain. They forgot Jesus. How can you forget Jesus? Well, when you're rich and prosper and everything, you got everything, what? I planted a church in San Diego, we'd knock on their door, you know? Two, two Mercedes in the driveway, three boats in the backyard. We say, we're here to preach Jesus. You need Jesus. <laughs> what do I need Jesus for? I got everything. Well, if you don't have him, you're going to hell. Slam! I mean, that's all we knew at the time. But <laughs> that's what we preached. And God let us survive. <laughs> but see, that's why it's difficult for the rich to enter the kingdom of God, because they think they got everything. What do I need Jesus for? Because you've spent your entire life giving glory to yourself, now it's time to give glory to Him. Amen. Okay. So, I was encouraged to hear some, some person in the church is selling a boat to give on number 19. Not the boat, but the money, we hope. <laughs> <laughs> and He's caught the message of the kingdom to say, look, it gave me pleasure, but the kingdom is more important. This is my, this is why I'm alive, is to support the kingdom. All right. Uh, <clears throat> verse 19, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Ready? What do I do then, Jesus? So be zealous and repent. Not just repent, be zealous and repent. Run back to me with fervor. Turn away with violence. From what you were involved in, and declare, I'm never going back, and run toward Jesus as hard as you can, almost knock him down like a linebacker when you embrace him, and say, I'm not going back there anymore. I belong to you. You're my life, you're my source. Not Rome, not Babylon, not my business, it's you. God bless you in your businesses. I trust you prosper. But if you get this one wrong about what your real source is, you're going to get a visit from Prince Messiah. He may walk into your bedroom, much less the candlestick. So Jesus is calling for his compromised church to repent with zeal. They're half-hearted. They're milk toast. They're, ah, don't be so hard of the word. They're trying. They're doing their best. No, they're rebels against God. But we've lived in such a culture that just softens all these things so no one is offended. I love to read about Jesus. he Do you understand that he offended the highest ranking seminary professors of the day? The Pharisees. Come straight out, pow, right between the eyes. That would have got you on CNN as a hater. I'm sure they had their CNN of the day, but it was the Pharisees that killed him. They just couldn't take this truth anymore. And they were exposed. Okay. Uh, not z- repent with zeal. Not just say I'm sorry, but fleeing from the sin of compromise. Like Joseph ran away from Potiphar's wife when she seduced him. Yeah. Run away fast. Get out of it quick. Oh, my God. I've, my, my feet have been sunk in the mire of Babylon. <laughs> and run to Jesus. He'll clean all that mud off of you, and you're back. You can do that today. You don't need to penalize yourself. He already took the penalty for you. But he gives us opportunities to come back to a white-hot passion for him and stop playing milquetoast church games of compromise. All right. Another favorite hymn of mine is, Come Thou Every Fountain of Blessing. It says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. I pray this every morning because I'm a fallen man and the temptations are too real. I need Jesus' help. I need his power. Or I would be Laodicea. Then Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door well, he's saying, repent, come back to the fount of living waters, the tree of life, the garden of God, the source of all life and true riches, Jesus the Messiah. Come back. Then, Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, that is the sheep of my pasture, hear my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. An invitation for believers, say believers, believers, to return to close personal relationship with the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the Creator of all things, Jesus Himself. You see, eating food in the Bible always spoke of trust, of fellowship, of sharing, of resting, resting and honoring of one another. So, what has to happen in order for us to hear? hear the knock. That would be the Holy Ghost. Recognize the voice, because you know that voice. And joyfully swing the door open and embrace the caller. Say, I repent, I'm not going back to Babylon. I forsake it, and I'll help you judge it. Revelation 19. So the Old Testament, by the way, if you ever want to understand the book of Revelation, you got to know the Old Testament. Everything for the book of Revelation is in the Old Testament, everything. Which is why most modern Christians say, ah, sorry, who can understand it? They, don't, they start, their Bible Start with Matthew. There's two-thirds of God's revelation before that. Paul only preached from the Old Testament. And look what he did. <laughs> all he had was the scrolls from the, that's all he had. To explain who Jesus was, what Jesus did, what the future of God is, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yes. Everything in the Book of Revelation you can find in the Old Testament. You just have to be Bereans, and there's no app for it. When you zealously repent, the re- the result is a return to loyalty and affection from. Uh, sorry a return to loyalty and affection from the world back to Jesus. Don't give them a blink. Don't give them a nod. Your loyalties to the kingdom of God and Prince Messiah. The Old Testament informs the book of Revelation. This knocking at the door metaphor is directly from the Song of Solomon. Chapter 5, verse 2. It's the bride. Listen to what she says. I slept, but my heart was awake. Isn't that Beautiful. A sound. My beloved is knocking. This would be the groom. My beloved, my sister, this is the groom speaking. My, my beloved, my sister, my dove, my perfect one, open the door. Now we'll stop there because this is more than PG-13 that's coming up here. The groom is knocking on the bride's door to let him in and they're not going to play Uno. Okay. But it's an intimacy. It's an exchange of love of the deepest, deepest level. And this is what Jesus is knocking for. Don't just make me a statue on your dashboard. Be so committed to me that every breath you take, you're grateful for because it comes from me. This is the spirit of Revelation 3.20, the groom seeking the bride for intimate relationship. This is the spirit of the entire book of Revelation. Return to loyalty to me and do not flirt with Babylon. To remain loyal to Prince Messiah comes with a reward. The chapter ends with 3.21, the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. As I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. What did Jesus conquer? Sin, the world, Satan. What do we conquer? Sin, the world, Satan. Through Him. He provided the conquest for you, that you would be in Him. Amen. Molly is, and I are teaching some of our grandchildren how to say no to the devil When things come into their mind or fearful thoughts or whatever, to stand your ground in Christ, you have no power. But in Christ you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Don't go there in the name of Steve Adelini or your own name, but go there in the name of Jesus. He already conquered for you, you abide, you enter into that conquest. It's a pretty good deal. You don't have to do much fighting, you just do resting and faith in your prince who killed the dragon for you. Now you rest. And just remind the devil, well, according to the book of Revelation, you're already dead. (laughs) What are you trying to do to me? Don't you know who you are? Because he's always telling you what you aren't. He kind of forgets who he is. He deceives himself. Only one thing you should think of when you think of the devil, defeated. That's all you should ever think. Right. So don't get all worked up. A uh, favorite thing of mine was Charles Spurgeon. He was uh, traveling around the country and uh, he was going to rural churches and preaching and they put him up in a home and uh, uh, during the night there was some rustling in his bedroom and some dis- discomfort and the room grew cold and uh, he was woken up in the night and there was some dark figure standing at the foot of his bed and he said, he said, I rose up a little bit. And he said, who are you? And he says, I am Satan and I'm going to kill you. He goes, And Spurgeon said, oh, it's just you. And went back to sleep. Spurgeon knew. He can huff and puff, but he can't blow your house down. All right. This is the spirit of the book of Revelation. Where am I? The one who conquers, we did that. What do we overcome? Sin, the world, and Satan. And we will rule with him and share in his kingdom as co-conquerors. And what did you do? You only believed. <laughs> you didn't lift one sword. You didn't lift one club. Read Revelation 19. Here comes Jesus on a white horse, faithful and true, stuff, tattoos on his thigh. Ha, here he comes destroying everything. It says, and the saints were on white horses following him. That's all, it's meant, that's all it says about us. We, 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 we didn't get to throw one spear or shoot one gun. Something came out of Jesus' mouth. That's it. Now we're in uh, the new garden, the new Eden, Revelation 21, <laughs> It's an amazing book. Uh, you can't make a movie out of it because it looks great. And then all of a sudden, Jesus goes, and everything's over. <laughs> About seven times that happens. It's crazy. All right, then. So don't fear what's going on in the world. It's the world's once again attempt that you see all through history to throw off the kingdom of God to defeat Jesus. And they can't. Revelation 1 starts out with one title for Jesus. I love it. He's the ruler of the kings of the earth. Before all the activity starts it's announced he's the ruler of the kings of the earth. I love it so much. Okay. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. You know other tools. You don't need any more tools. Just say Amen. God's done it all for you. You enter into that rest. You try to work it out, the devil will thump you just like the seven sons of Sceva. He'll drive you off. In closing, a couple little things just to apply. Remember who Jesus is. The Amen, the faithful and true one, the Creator and Lord of all creation. Number two, remember who you are because of Jesus. Say because of Jesus remember who you are. Don't you get all puffed up thinking that you're now the lion of the tribe of Judah. You're not. There's only one. But you happen to be in him. Don't think that you're a lion. You are not. You are a lamb, and we follow the lamb wherever he goes. Kind of weak looking, isn't it? It's foolishness to the world, isn't it? (laughs) But that's who we are. Remember who you are. Jesus' dove his perfect one, his delight, how beautiful and how pleasant you are. I want you to run like a stag, run like a gazelle, make haste, my beloved, that we might be together in the garden of love. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. All that taken from the Song of Solomon. And finally, number three, open the door quickly once you have zealously repented and dine with the son of David your husband, your king. Return to your first love with white-hot passion for Jesus the Messiah. Let's all stand. We're going to call on the Holy Spirit right now. We're not going to have individual prayers. We're all going to call on the Holy Spirit together. While we sing this old song that many of you will recognize... And I'm singing it a cappella. Roy will tell you what that means after the meeting's over. Uh, But let's sing this together, calling on the Holy Spirit to answer our prayer that we're singing together. Are you ready? Oh, Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I see. Put your hands in your chest. Or on this child, your grace abounds to me. Now expect the Holy Spirit to answer this prayer. Oh, Lord, please light a fire, remember it, that once burned bright. Oh, God, replace the lamp of my first love that burned with holy fear. Just wait on the Lord now and let him answer your prayer. Call out to him and lift your voice to him and say, thank you, Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit renew something in you, hallelujah. Allow the Holy Spirit to light up inside you a new zeal, a new fire, a new passion. Oh, Holy Spirit, do Your work in us, we pray. We thank you and we praise you. We glorify your name, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The Lord's word never returns to him void. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us today. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us today of your son Jesus and your victory. Father, where our minds have been dull, Lord, we look to you. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires the water of life come take it without price. Lord, we are yours through and through. Amen. Amen. Can we give a round of applause to Dr. Adelini, please? Thank Thank you. God bless you. We're dismissed. Have a great day.